You're listening to Reach Teach Talk with Nat Dane. Welcome to another episode of Reach Teach Talk uh, here in London, one of the London episodes. And I am absolutely thrilled today to have as a guest Miss Andrea Zafiraku. Uh, she is the she's a twelve year art teacher. Is it twelve years? It's actually now thirteen. Thirteen yeah. years now. My goodness. <laughs> um, she's a London native. Grew up in London uh, in Camden, and she is of Greek Cypriot origin. Uh, but she grew up in London, and her parents came over from Cyprus and from Greece. I say this because Andrea is the Global Teacher of the Year, the 2018 Global Teacher of the Year. And she is, um, well, that alone, you know, made me think I got to get, see if I can get Andrea on this show. Uh, But it's also, even more importantly, it's what I learned about Andrea when I started researching her, uh, who is this winner of the 2018 Global Teacher Award. And uh, she, I I came upon a quote, and I'd like to read this quote because it relates to everything that Reach Teach Talk is about and everything about what we're going to talk about today, uh, Andrea and I. Teaching is all about building relationships. Instead of worrying about teaching the curriculum or making sure that you've got a strict classroom environment, build your relationships first. Get your kids on board, connect with them, find out what it is that they're interested in, build the relationship, build that trust, and then everything else can happen. So with that triumphant call to action for all teachers out there listening, watching, I want to turn this over to Andrea, and I want to first of all just say again, thank you so much for being oh, on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's just absolutely my pleasure. This is absolutely my pleasure. I'm just so grateful that you took the time today, and I know that it's not a school day for you, mm-hmm. even though it's a Friday. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you in school today, by the way? Uh, well, since winning the award, my life has changed slightly, so I've had to be quite careful in how I'm allocating my time. So um, I work part-time in my school where I'm teaching um, two days a week, and the other three days I am gallivanting, changing the world, running my charity, meeting lovely people like yourself and trying to raise the profile of the arts and also teaching as well. So, so Andrea yeah. is an art teacher. She is absolutely, and I want to ask you about, where did your love for the arts come about? Were you an artist growing up as a kid? Were you particularly artistic? Oh my God, absolutely. I think it's a DNA thing. Um, it's the first thing that you see, the first thing that you do. So I think I, I my mum and my my dad would say that I just I was always creating, making, gluing, sticking, drawing, building, crafting just always doing something practical. Um, yeah, that's where it's probably come from. But saying that, my I, you know, my early memories of my grandmother was her always doing crochet. So um, and crocheting blankets and blankets. So I think it is uh, a DNA thing. I think it is something that I've inherited. I'm proud to say that as well. Is this your grandmother on the Greek side or the Cypriot? Is this the, my Greek, my Greek Cypriot mother, a uh, grandmother? Yes. Your Greek yes, Cypriot grandmother. Yeah. And was this a traditional kind of weaving? And- yeah. So she was actually a weaver. Um, that was her profession before she um, migrated to the UK. Uh, and so she would grow her own silkworms, um, spin silk, weave silk, um, and make garments. And she was actually quite famous in her province um to uh, uh, and um one of her stories that you know you never quite know until you really dig dig and you go oh my god grand um was <laughs> she she was actually she was told by the British Army that she'd had to weave and give them all of her silk so that they could use it for the British parachutes. And at night time she used to by candlelight weave um, so that she can actually make 
something she can sell for the family. So it's quite, you know, it's really interesting, her story and how the handicrafts and how textiles is a big part of um, of their life, of their livelihood, the culture, uh, and also now mine. So it's it's gorgeous. I love that story. <laughs> I absolutely love that story. And I love also that it's it's the... Um, the organicness of, the, of of what your grandmother did. I mean, she, you said that she raised the silkworms. So, it was, yeah, so yeah. actually, the, the the material that went into the product was all coming from her. That's right. That's and, right. And there's something just beautiful in that. I think. Absolutely. It's like it's the seed. It's the growth, isn't it, of the whole item, and it's and it's the respecting of the material, um, and of the substance until it's made into into whatever outcome it needs to be. So it's quite... okay. There's to me a very uh, clear analogy to what you just said. They are the seed and the growing and respect the the growth the outcome that, that that comes out and could we not make that similar uh, approach to teaching it's and working pure with kids? teaching isn't it it is it absolutely is and uh, i think that's the beauty about being in the classroom and and knowing a child for about seven years and seeing from the moment they came into the school and just watching them develop, becoming more confident, seeing what their interests are, what their strengths are, what frustrates them, what gives them joy, um, until the point whereby they've done their exams and they come and collect their exam results and they just celebrate with you and just and you're just so proud. Uh, and I think those are the magic moments that we have in teaching. Now you said seven years tracking a child. So does that mean as an art teacher, you're able to see similar uh, students as they get older like you're not you're not fixed to one grade level no so i can we in i'm a secondary school teacher in the uk so we can teach them from year seven all the way to when they're 11 year olds all the way up to when they're 18 years old so when they go to you know when they get into that university placement or they go to college and yeah it's just it's just bliss it's, it's absolutely bliss that is, that is absolutely bliss to watch their creative minds expand and to watch their skills develop but mm -hmm. also more importantly i imagine to just watch them grow from young adults to near adults right yeah, so. <laughs> and, and to feel proud to feel proud uh, as they're going off that's on their right journeys. and you know and uh, you reflect back and you just think oh can you remember when he used to be a pain can you remember when <laughs> can you remember that oh god and and look at him you know and and, and it's you know it, it it is like having so many been part of journeys of so many incredible young people and then you just think i wonder what they're going to be doing and I wonder where their, their next stage of their life takes them and, and you know, moving that forward. And, I, I, you know, it's, it's just gorgeous to be part of that. Okay, this this leads to my uh, my next subject matter here, which is about the Global Teacher Prize, because I want to explain that the um, the global the Global Teacher Prize is this is it's not just the title <laughs> makes it sound like a big deal. This is a very big deal. Um, Andrea winning it of uh, a, a cast of you know tens and tens and tens of thousands, um, probably a hundred thousand plus nominations. I'm not sure what the numbers are, but and I see the the modesty here. Um, it's it's. Not just getting the recognition, but it's also having a million dollars um, as award money to use however you want to. And this this money comes from the, the, the Global Teacher Prize is from the Varkey Foundation. And they, the Varkey Foundation states, we believe in a quality education for every child. We work to build the capacity and the status of teachers to ensure that the quality of teaching is enhanced and outcomes will improve. The capacity, we work to build the capacity and the status of teachers. I love that because the Varney Foundation is talking about, we, we, we seek to build the, the content and the skills, the teacher capacity, of course, but also the status. And already in this conversation, Andrea, it's the status of teaching is something that in, in listening to you speak over the past few minutes about what you love about teaching already just kind of gives a texture to how we should elevate the status of teaching mm -hmm. because teachers 
clearly this is coming from the heart. And teaching is a hope-based profession. And teaching is about watching the kids, you know, over a seven-year period go from, you know, little, you know, little what's-its on the, on, you know, as, as 12-year-olds to being much more uh, kind of who their adult selves will be by the time they're 17. And as teachers, we're able to do that. And I'd love to just dig a little deeper on this a little bit, Andrea. Like, what is it in your mind that makes teaching a profession that you are keen on helping to elevate and strengthen the status of? And and what do you think it is about teaching that the folks at the Varney Foundation and the nominating committee and all of that saw in you? I, I think we just need to make one thing absolutely clear, and that is that teaching is the ultimate profession. Everything comes from being in a classroom or being in front of a teacher, being taught. Um, presidents are created because of someone who inspired them, a teacher. Doctors are created because somebody who inspired them, a teacher. It all comes from the other person who you have met teaching. And that's what the Varkey Foundation are very, very proud of, the fact that teaching, and I think I can quote Sonny Varkey on this, he will say that teaching is a mother of all professions. And by having that having someone to acknowledge that at the Varki Foundation, it really means a lot to me because it means that someone gets it. They get beyond all the bureaucracy. It is all about that person who is in the classroom, inspiring, nurturing, growing, um, equipping the young people of the future. Um, hence why it is the most important, most well should be the world most well-respected profession in the world. And that's why I'm so passionate and believe in teachers and, and want to thank them for the work they're doing because, um, okay, I've won the Global Teacher Prize. And I've had opportunities in my in these last few months where, you know, my students who I've taught years ago have come back and said to me, Miss, I'm, we're so proud of you. Because of you, because of what you said, I'm now doing this. And Miss, can you remember when you told me off and you got my parents in? Oh, Miss, but, <laughs> but look where I am now. And, you know, they appreciate you. And I've had so many students coming up to me and say, Miss, th we're so proud. Thank you. We're so glad it's you. The thing that I don't feel we do enough is say thank you to our teachers. We don't do that. And because of that, I don't think they really appreciate how significant they are and what their worth is because they are gold dust. They are priceless. There's not one person in this world who you will go up to and you say, oh, who was your favorite teacher? And automatically they say, oh, it was Mr. Mr. So-and-so. And he said this to me and that changed my life. And that's what we do. We do, we plant the seed of inspiration. We change lives, but yet, we don't acknowledge that. And I just think that being able to, you know, have this award and represent teachers and say, thank you for what you're doing. And, and you know, you are appreciated by hundreds and hundreds of young people and people who you've inspired. Do not forget that. You are inspirational. You're changing lives. And thank you for doing that. Now, Andrea, here's, here's the thing, though, right? Because as a teacher, it's quite rare. Maybe it's not rare for you. I'm curious. But it was definitely rare for me is the moment when a student would come up to me in the middle of the school year and say, hey, Mr. Damon, that book you just gave me totally changed my life. Like, you just made the biggest difference in my life. Like, I've taken a U-turn, and now everything's going to be just rainbows and unicorns for the rest of my life. Thank you. Like, you don't, I don't hear that. No, you won't. You right. won't. You won't. So what do we do with that? And how, how can we keep that faith that even though yeah. we're not hearing it, it's there? I think it takes people like 
like having this opportunity, I can now say, look, this is this is for real. This is you are significant. But what it also takes is that parent. So if a parent sees their child doing something great that they're like oh my god that's amazing and they know that's come from the school then please get a post-it note out write something to the teacher and say thank you that was really great just something small do not be shy to give a compliment do not be shy because you know it's it's free (laughs) You you know there's no money in that but kindness and kind words when you're giving them to a teacher it just fuels you it gives you that kind of that va va boom that zing that whatever it takes just kind of um, take you through and inspire you for the next few months years whatever i love the timing of this conversation because yesterday was uh thanksgiving in the u.s yeah right? happy so, thanksgiving sorry thank you very much hey every <laughs> day should be thanksgiving right of course of course <laughs> and, and it's also uh the latest date that thanksgiving can take place it's the final thursday of the month of november and in this year it happens to be November 28th. So we are now madly rushing into the holiday season, right? Mm. And this is a period of time that's particularly stressful on teachers mm. because uh, in a sense, they've been in, they've been in school for three months now. They've, you know, started the, the rhythm, the routine they're, they're familiar with. It's been about 100 days, but they're looking ahead at about another 100 days, uh, more actually in the classroom. And so we're beginning to get into this period, the winter, which is a little darker, a little more heavy, a little more like sagging, you know what I mean, in in the school year. It just happens to all of us naturally. So what advice would you give to teachers in terms of teachers who might be feeling a little bit just tired or deflated or like, oh, boy, you know, I'm just just how can you keep that va-va-boom? Oh, okay. I would say to my colleagues, your Christmas, your holidays, your weekends have got to be your own. It's harder to do. Of course it is, but you've got to be strict and you've got to you've got to be um fierce with yourself and know that it's really you know, do not feel guilty. You deserve that. Why? Because you need to heal. You need to recover. You need to recuperate. You need to sharpen that sword. You need to be exactly who you want to be in front of the the young people. And I say to myself, do you know what? If if I was a young person, would I like me as a teacher? You know, would I like to be in front? You know, would I like to be taught by somebody who can be ratty, who can be, you know, moody, who is not, you know, would I like that? Of course not. Would you like that for your kids? No. So look after yourselves. Take what you need and do not feel guilty. You're highly professional people. You've been trained. You know what the right thing is to do. Is so just do that. Do not feel guilty. The word guilt is, is at least it's, in my world, is not often used. It eats, but it's, it, it eats you up. It does. You know, you go to school when you are dying because you don't want to set cover work. You're guilty because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to give another teacher the responsibility of covering that class or you don't want your kids. What, you know, how is that good for you? That'll make you even more sick. You know, just look after yourself too. You're worthy too. And it's taking me a long time to appreciate that. And yes, I have not got work-life balance sorted. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't. But what what fuels me is my family, is my friends, is the connection time, is being a human being, is doing what I love. That gives me a lot of energy. And I think something which um, my husband said to me a while back, which made me think, God, what's going on? Is that when we, when we, when um, it was a summer holidays and we had that nice long period of time, you know, after two weeks of in my holiday, I started to feel normal again (laughs) like a human being and he goes to me you know you're quite unbearable during school term (laughs) you know and I was like oh my god if I'm doing that to my husband so um and I just thought no that's wrong that that's absolutely wrong so I need to make sure that whatever 
Um, how I manage my time has got to be so spot on, but also includes my time, me time. I would also hear the same thing from parents when I would be meeting with parents um, and, and they would talk about their kids. And they would remind me that, you know, Nat, Mr. Damon, in school, you're seeing them, you're seeing my kid really on their best behavior because they're at school. We always get the hairs down, the kids, you know, yeah. the, just the, the other effect of it. And in a sense, I was thinking in my head and being cheeky, but just what your husband said about you during the school year, you know, Andrea, you're, you come home and you're just like, you know, maybe, maybe. I'm a teacher. You're, you're, <laughs> I'm a teacher mode. I'm like. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's all because when you're in the classroom, you're balanced, you're even keeled. You're you're absolutely open to the individual creativity and bringing it out in your students. And that's what I want to talk about next, mm. because this is also kind of a, a meta goal or sub goal of this uh, episode is to really inspire people who are thinking about coming into teaching or who are mid-career and maybe thinking about coming mm. into teaching or and teachers who are, again, feeling that kind of sag that, you know, questioning, like, do I really want to stay in this profession? Because Andrea... You've clearly got that and you've clearly gotten it's obviously been recognized. And basically, what is was it? What is it for you that you would advise for teachers to reach into when you talk about self-care and you talk about not feeling guilty and you talk about being of present mind and be stable and, and be as 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 as, as um, uh, kind of secure in your own feet uh, in your classroom as possible? Where where does that all come from, and where would you advise teachers to really look inward, to look really look at during this mid time of the year? That's a really that's a really really hard question. Um, I think for me, it's about my support mechanisms around me. Maybe nurture the support mechanisms yeah. around you, not be in a silo. Yeah, absolutely. Be be because because I think that I am who I am um, at, because of people like my colleagues at work. So making sure that I've got colleagues who I can go to to kind of vent at and vice versa, or I've got a problem, how would you do that? So that's really important, making sure that that part of my world is great. Also, my home life, my family life. Um, you know, it's that, it's that balancing, it's that absolute balancing part of it. But um, I don't think that, I, I think you need to be a kind of a person who is very confident to saying, I've got a year free class now, we're teaching this. Um, how would you do it? But that's, that's, that's being vulnerable. That's, that's saying to your colleague, I'm not the expert. What would you do? How many times have teachers have ever said to a, to a class after they've taught that, guys, how was that? Was that okay? You know, did it work, or or what can we do? What could I have done better last time? And why not? Why are we not doing this? Why, as professionals, are we not being vulnerable, showing them? Because at the end of the day, I think there is an assumption that teachers must know it all. Well, actually, our young people are changing. What's influencing them is changing. They're being inspired by the techie world and and um, social media. They're learning. Their language is different. Um, what they're being inspired by is completely different. So why can we not ask for their opinion as well? And and as raw as it can be, it has always been the greatest feedback. Miss, we spent too long on that. We spent too long on that. We could, we could have just done that. Miss, the first time. Miss, you didn't explain that well. But when you showed it to us, you got it. Brilliant. Brilliant. And I think, again, it's about the building the relationships. It's asking their advice, getting them on board, being part of that learning journey for them, with them. And I never, ever expect 
to be the person who knows everything in my class. And I've on many occasions have said to a young child and a young person, oh, my God, you draw better than me. <laughs> I can imagine. How and you should response. see their face. It's just like yours. They're like, oh my God. And it's like, you're, yeah. you draw so much better than me. Oh my God, carry on. Um, and that gives, and that, and that's an honest thing. That's an absolutely honest thing. And why not share that? Why not be open with that? Because you're the art teacher and you're meant to be the perfect art teacher. And... I, it's the journey. We're on this together. We're a journey. I'm mentoring. I'm, I'm coaching. I'm, I'm there to help you fall. I'm there to push you. I'm there to challenge you. I'm going to support you. But it's you, it's your life. You're owning this. So let me ask you this question then, because turning it from the student, the effect of a great teacher on a student to the effect of being a great teacher on oneself. How would you say you've grown in your past now, this is your 13th year, so in your past 12 and a half years of teaching, is there, if you think for a second about just one area where you feel like you, Andrea, have grown thanks to your receptivity um, to feedback from your students? Mm, I, I think it's about my lesson content. So it would be the artists that we probably should be teaching about to actually what the students want to learn and making the connection there. So, for example, um, I can teach them about Renaissance, Rembrandt, they'll probably get bored out of their heads. But if I teach them um, graffiti art and link it to Michael Craig Martin, so very illustrative, um, illustrative work, who draws objects which are in which they use, so mobile phones and headphones, that's the connection. And that's when you get to appreciate art and what influences that artist. And then you're going around that whole circle, but in a reverse way, but you're still building up the skills, their critical knowledge, um, their appreciation of the arts, artists, contemporary art, as well as traditional art. But is that not just giving the kids what they want in a sense? Like, you know, do you honestly believe that graffiti is its own art form? Oh, of course I do. It's absolutely, it's, it's a genius art form. It's spectacular. It is, it is something which completely inspires me and I'm in, in complete awe. Um, and, that's the hook. That's the hook into your life. And when they see that you appreciate that form of art, they want to know all about it too. Miss, oh, I saw that. In, oh, miss, miss, there was a, I saw that. I was in Camden. And I saw, I thought, yeah, and who, who, who was a tag? You know, so it's a, I think it's part of that learning journey and that inspiration. And you being the role model, you being, you being the door to your arts world or your subject world, and you're enticing them to come in and be part of because you know it's such a great world for them. Okay, so the word curiosity is just flashing in neon in my head, or it's just, yeah. I just my brain's been tagged with the word curiosity in very different colors, and um, very cool font. And curiosity mm. does that play a role in being an art teacher? Because I'm kind of thinking, are you it kidding? Does. It's all about curiosity. <laughs> it's all about making mistakes and taking a journey with a with a media. You know, what would happen if you change if if you mix paint with that other media? What would happen if you do that? Explore, experiment, take risks. And I think the beauty about the arts is that there's absolutely no um, way that you can say that's wrong. There's ways you can improve, there's ways you can challenge, but there's no mistakes. And I think that's why children really enjoy the arts, because they create, they, 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 can, they feel that they, they don't, they're not failing, um, that they, they can always improve, that they're challenging themselves. Um, and the, their, their curious minds is what's making them even better um, in, in this particular subject. Because let's, let's discuss that for a second. The curious minds, the curiosity that, that, that excellent art students possess is what makes them excellent. They have curiosity. So 
digging a little deeper, what is curiosity to being a good artist or a good art student? Just having an open mind. Asking questions. Asking questions, taking something, being creative, taking something from one from one dimension and then changing it to another, exploring how a media, a paintbrush can be used, not just with the bristles, but on the other end. Um, how can I paint using um, an extended arm instead of um, having it controlled? Um, it's about experimentation and seeing where it can take you. And I think for me, it's not worrying about mistakes, not worrying about it looking good, not worrying about um, taking risks. It's all about the risk taking. You mentioned the word experiment or experimentation. You talked about the uh, studying the bristles of the brush and then maybe trying it from the back of the brush mm -hmm. instead. You talked about thinking outside of the box and looking at different ways to approach a problem. Um, I'm thinking about science and I'm thinking about math. Yeah, absolutely. Math, you know, absolutely. I, so I'm thinking about critical thinking. Yeah. And what you're what this conversation is helping me is to blend actually the importance of arts curriculum and arts teaching and arts skills into the STEAM subjects, into the, you know, so is, am I, am I You're correct right. in thinking this? See, I think there's a fear. The, I think the word creativity, it's almost categorized in the art subjects, whereas it shouldn't be because to get an answer with a maths equation, you can be all you can be very creative in terms of the directions you're taking to get there, and the students will tell you that as well. Um, in terms of the science experiments, you know how you need to be creative in order to try and experiment and think about different solutions, a way of finding that. And I think the the I, th I think it's all down to do with problem solving, trying to solve the problem that you're trying to, that, that you are that you have put down as a question, and how to get to that end goal. But uh, creativity should exist in every single subject in all curricula. Is that something that you have worked with teachers on at all? Or have you addressed that with teachers before in some of your workshops? I'm curious because it does look like a very keen approach to curriculum development. Let's add creativity in here. How much creativity is being... So is that something that you talk about at all? Yeah, and I, fundamentally, all the time. Um, and but not only that, I think it's the worry that for me is that if we are so that there is still a lack of comfort in how to be a creative teacher and how to teach creativity and what does it look like and how do I do it and you know what does it mean? Whereas if you speak to employers, that's the type of person they want. They want the creative individual. They want the problem solver. They want the the the, um, the colleague or the employee who will think outside of the box, who can connect with people, who can, who can bring in new audiences, new customers, and you get that if you have got creative people working for you. So wow, this is great because you're not only are, are you making connections between the the skills that you look to generate in your art class for the for art's sake and art development, but also to how those skills transfer into math and science and, and other uh, core classes um, in the curriculum. But now you're also extending it to their real adult life yeah. and the workplace. Mm -hmm. And we look for people who are collaborative and who are creative thinkers and who can speak a conversation that may take different different twists and turns, but are flexible with that and, and curious. Um, so it gets me to to really think about the the importance of having the time in the classroom to be able to connect with your students in order to bring, bring these skills out. And time, my book, time, time to Teach, Time to Reach, the theme of time is in the title. Mm. And what's your view <laughs> of the commodity of time? I see a smile uh... here. I think I, I, in, in schools and 
<laughs> how is time being used and abused? It's like it's like you know, come on, Andrea, reality check. Where is it? How are we going to do it? You know, we. I've got to teach. My curriculum is is this long. I've got to teach every single specification. There's yep. no time. They're not doing that. How am I going to get that? Mm-hmm. That's that's the key problem. Mm-hmm. That is the key. Yeah, and. I don't. I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, some schools have been really creative by, you know, changing their their hourly the the, the day so that they can try and fit more more, more in. Is that going to work? I don't know. Um, we've got curriculums in countries which are very broad, very open. There's a lot of trust in other countries. So you you know you're the teacher. We trust you. You know your stuff. Get on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Just like Finland. Yeah, in our country, in the UK here, uh, that I don't think think there is a there is that trust. I think it's very much dictated. They you must be teaching this, otherwise the children won't pass their exams. Um, yeah, that 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 is the ultimate question. But I think it comes down to the leadership of the school. What is it they, what do they want for their young people? What do they want for their staff? What what kind of young what what kind of product do you want to have when the child leaves your school? Who do you want? Someone who can regurgitate, someone who has passed exams but cannot sit down and hold a conversation with another human being, and has no opinions. Or do you want somebody who's well-rounded, someone who is confident, who can be reflected, who can be sociable, critical, yet can adapt, has curiosity, can problem solve, and who you think, yeah, I want to employ you. You will take my company to another level. Wow, the focus on leadership. You just gave me a ray of hope right there, Andrea, because I haven't really thought about this to, to this degree, that as teachers... In a sense, we can choose the school environment that we want to work in. Now, that's not really taking into account the fact that teaching is still it's a competitive um, field to be in. And especially as an art teacher, there are only so many vacancies mm. at so many schools in a given year. However, if I'm hearing you right, there you choose the school that best fits you and that you're with the, in, in, in school leadership as you say, the school leaders really shape the culture absolutely. of the school. Is that, is that right? That's absolutely right. And I think um, especially for our new colleagues, our, our younger teachers there, um, if you, uh, you know, one of a message, <laughs> you know, take this away with you, if anything. Um, if you're not comfortable if you're not happy in your school but you know that you are a teacher and it's in your gut and it's in your soul then you need to find another school because there could be a school that's two minutes down the road that has a complete different culture that you may fit in better there than you are now so instead of suffering in silence and and reflecting and thinking am i am i is this the right job Yes, you probably are in the right job, but you're probably in the wrong school. Yes, perfectly said. Perfectly said. It's don't give up. If you're yeah. feeling if you're feeling a, a, a secondary layer of burnout at this middle part of the year, and and you, but just really ask yourself, could it possibly be the school that I'm working in? And you know, is there a better fit for me? Because you can't remove the personal from the professional when you're a teacher. I mean, this mm. whole conversation is mm. about this, Andrea. Mm. I mean, who you are is generated. You know, thousands of, of young artists because they feel safe in your classroom because they know you. You're 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 and, and you are a specific individual to these students. As you said earlier, the students are watching you as as the adult. They, you're they the are... role model. You're the absolute role model. Sometimes you're the best role model they have, considering where they come from and their home environments. And and some of our children do suffer a lot, and they've got you know some horrid horrid circumstances. And you are the best person in their life and because of that it's a huge responsibility but own it take it and be honored by it and it doesn't mean though 
put it on your shoulders to be the hero teacher. To no, absolutely kid. not. I just think is you you know it, you know I I've got so much admiration for um, every, all teachers, but especially the UK teachers because you know we we have got to be responsible for everything: mental health, social care, being a nurse, being a mum, being the you know being the the kitchen, <laughs> so providing food. Um, and, I, and plus, don't forget, you've got to teach. Yeah. yeah. And you've got to meet that target. You know, you've got to make sure that, you, that your child makes progress. And that's the that's the grade they should be getting. And if you haven't, then you're back. There's a huge amount of pressure that we're putting on our teachers to be everything. And I think, um, yeah, just we acknowledge that. Students acknowledge you. Um, thank you. Um, but look after yourselves as well. Self-care. Look after yourselves as well. And... Be, yeah, focus on your, 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 your own. Do you know now, I used to go home and I used to, um, some days I would be crying to my husband thinking, I, I, I don't know what to do. He was, you know, he, he said this to a teacher, said that, he threw this chair, you know, he ran out of school, da, 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 you know, and I, and he, you know, he might have got arrested, whatever. Uh, I, I, what else can I do? And then the husband says, that's, you can't, you can't. Now it's down to the chart. Now it's down to the externals. You've done everything you possibly can. And have you? And I've been like, yes. He goes, well, that's it. No more. Yep. That's a wake-up call. That, that is a that's fantastic cautionary advice for any teacher, which I think would be every teacher mm. who has students that, they, that, you know, two in the morning, they're thinking about this student, exactly the kind of student you're talking about. Or, and they want to help. But it's also really important to back off, uh, if, you know, and to not... Commit your whole self to yeah. something where yeah. there are others, right? You can. You can... No, I'm with that, and yeah. you know, I do have the husband who is great at doing that. Who's, but you know, it's just just making sure that again, we're talking to people, yes. that we are constantly talking about our, pro you know, what's going on, and so we've got advice coming, and then we can reflect on whether or not we're taking that. But I think it's important to share, always share. Yeah, share, and this gets me gets back to the um, the other S word, silos that you talked yeah, about earlier. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's almost like at the beginning of the school year, or if you're a teacher coming into a new school, right? Um, really make it a priority to connect with colleagues from the you know the ground level, like first day of of pre you know faculty orientation, we call it in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, before the students arrive, when it's just the faculty there and, and leadership, and just really. Really extend yourself, really connect, because you're going to want to have these connections during the school year so that you're not trapped in that silo, so that you can, you know, lean on each other when you have students that you're thinking about at two in the morning, but you know you can't be fully responsible for, right? No, it's it's so important. It's, yeah. it's really important. Um, tell me about your school, because uh, you've been at the same school, right? Yeah. For, for the past. <laughs> Strangely enough, in the UK, this is not normal. <laughs> It's not normal to stay in the same school for so many years, but um, yeah, but I, I, I did. I, I started as an NQT, so newly qualified teacher there, and I just did not leave. I just loved it. The challenges were huge. The energy in the in the in the school was, you know, on level a million. Um, you know, behavior problems, um, lots of things that needed fixing, uh, and completely enjoyed every minute of the challenge. You said before that your school is uh, is a very diverse yeah. um, population, yes, right? Yes, yes. And you've implied, but you've never said it straight out, but you've implied that diversity is a strength, actually. Oh, it's gorgeous. Can you explain how? Oh, absolutely. I mean, diversity is how we get to appreciate 
others and how we get to learn more about another culture and other people. And it's I, I love learning from my students. I love learning about their cultures, about them, um, seeing their curiosity, learning from other people as well. Uh, and just being open to what's around food, um, you know, the way that someone dresses, uh, how they look after themselves, how they communicate, how they how they perform religious observance. Uh, I, I, it's so inspiring. It's completely inspiring. And this is what makes us stronger as a community. What's the diversity is what makes it Absolutely. the exposure to looking Absolutely. through the world through different lenses. Absolutely. Is... It's really it's very important because, you know, I came don't forget I was came from a migrant family and um when you do come from a migrant family, you, there is almost like this subconscious feeling of you can't lose your Greekness. <laughs> you can't lose your Greekness, you know, so you are forced to, you know, to, you, we must talk Greek at home, we have Greek food, follow the uh, culture, you'll go to Greek school. So there is this kind of huge um, investment, more so when you're not in your home country, on your culture. Um, and... The problem with that is that when you are then going into a brand new culture, uh, it, you know, you may not adjust. So it's very important to be appreciated and appreciate those new, the different, so that they feel that, yes, you are one, that we can connect with you and we value who you are. I value that you're not Greek, that. <laughs> I value that. And I want to learn more about that. And it's inspiring. And tell me about it. And, you know, oh, and do you know that we do something similar in my culture? We follow the same thing. So it's the connections as well and how it's, you know, there is a unity as well. It's funny about the, the, the you know, it, talking to people You're from not different Greek, backgrounds. I'm not. It was, but, but what I do have is a family lineage that, that is in the looming industry, in, oh, in the weaving yes. industry oh, wow. in New England. So wow. to, be quite, to be totally honest, my family traces back to the first mills oh, um, and, uh, in, in Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, so back in the 1700s, 1800s. Um, so anyhow, so when you were talking about your grandmother and just her weaving, <laughs> uh, using the silk, the, the silk from the silkworms yeah, that yeah. She, was, she, she, was, she was growing, uh, just maybe in the back of my head, think I have a connection with Andrea here, and, and <laughs> yeah, from eight, yeah. six thousand miles away, um, in two hundred fifty years. So, I guess I guess that's it, though. I guess I guess that is the key. It's it's curiosity. It's it's um, it's asking questions. It's being it's receptivity. It's planning your classes so that there is engagement that comes out of relevancy, hooking the students. It's knowing your students. I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting on this whole conversation and different themes that have come mm -hmm. out of it. Um, it's the idea that anybody can be an artist and, and to, to the privilege of being an art teacher, uh, seeking out um, what makes what makes students tick, to, to be able to track kids seven years and to watch them grow from 11 years to 17 years old. All of this just advocates so clearly to me why teaching is, as you say, the greatest profession. If there's one thing, I mean, there's a last topic to, to bring up, or last question really. If there's one thing that you would advise the Department of Education to take a closer look at, to maybe, maybe, and this is not even a critique on the Department of Education in the UK, it's really mm -hmm. not. It's more just like, hey, you know, <laughs> I've got something to say here, um, and I've been recognized for it, for my skills in, in, in this profession. Could we shine a greater light on X component of teaching? And it doesn't have to even be pragmatic or make practical sense, Andrea. Just what do you think is an area of teaching that you've that you really think should be better, stronger valued? 
I have a list as long as my arm, but I'm not going to go through that list. But I think what I will say is um, two two different things. First of all, is um, the value of the arts, the creative subjects in our young people's lives, and how we're not focusing enough of those. And they're the first subjects to be cut, the first subjects that we will get rid of or will add as an after-school activity, enrichment activity, and not value them as a super golden core subjects within the school curriculum. I think that's one of the things which I would love most curriculums and most countries to really, really think about simply because of the skills which our students learn through them, the transferable skills that they will go on and on and on and on and use. That, and that will help them on their four or five different careers they will have in their lives, the adaptability, um, the problem solving, the, um, the choice making, the connecting with other people. So that's the one thing. So making sure that within the curriculums, there is a huge precedent on the creative subjects and the arts. And my second message is quite simple, and that's to focus on kindness. Kindness. Kindness for teachers to teachers. So just remember that, you know, to to be in a kind environment, to appreciate the fact that as a teacher, I have trained, I'm a highly skilled professional, I can make decisions, trust me to do what I think is right in my classroom environment. Kindness. And also kindness to think about the lives of our young people and what they're going through. Um, knowing them, the relationship building aspect of it. Um, how do we know what that young person has experienced on their journey to school or on their evening? And are we prejudging? And what are we, how are we, what are we doing to support that young person in our school environments? Are our environments safe places? Our environment, are, are our environments places where they want to thrive, where they want to be inspired, where they want to learn, they want to nurture, they want to play, they want to fail, they want to um, stand up again, where they want to explore, where they want to be um, inquisitive? Are these environments that we are nurturing in our schools? That, that's a call to action. Call to action of what's most important. It costs nothing. Exactly. <laughs> it costs nothing, and it is yet so essential. Yeah. And um, it's, it's interesting. As you're talking, Andrea, your wisdom comes from I, I, okay, so being specific to art teaching, um, when I was principal, uh, which is like when I was a deputy head uh, back in California, I would, if I had questions about a student, and this is totally honest, I would go straight to the art teacher first. Oh, wow, yeah. And, yeah. and, and the reason why is twofold. One is an art teacher can see things about kids mm. um, in, a, in, a, in a way that, that where the creativity <laughs> meets the criticism. Like, ah, oh, you know, uh, just how kids handle creativity. Some kids can get very frustrated when they have a blank canvas, you know, literally and figuratively, and they don't know quite how to do it and to mm. do it right and all that stuff. So you observe how kids put pressure on themselves. You observe how kids focus or not. And you observe how kids just how they how they create but the second thing which i actually think is even more more significant is i have is is being an art teacher when when kids you know that feeling in the art classroom when the kids are all in the flow and they're oh, all working but they're also having side-to-side conversations as they're doing something completely not relevant to what they're talking to their peers about and i imagine like as an art teacher you can hear you overhear your eavesdropping conversations that are very candid and very honest as that, kids are in that flow and you're invited to take part in that conversation tell me about that it's happening in your environment right 
Right. And I think that is an, what a privilege, right? Yes. That, and then that is that whole kind of, miss, we're accepting you as being in our world. I'm telling you your, my problems. Um, I respect your value because I because I'm having this conversation in your, and I think that is what I, I like to call or think about as being the art room the art environment. And when I say the art, I mean the arts. So drama, music, media, all, all of the creative subjects. Um, there's something quite unique about what happens in these rooms. They're very different to the science labs, to the maths um, labs, to you know, the English rooms. They're very, very different. Um, and you do see incredible relationships happening between young people, peers to peers, um, the respect as well. So, you know, when you have a child... In, a, in our subjects and in my in my lesson, the one thing that I love is the fact that, that you know, you can be a child who has got um, special educational needs, you're labelled, but you won't know that and that won't, you can't see that when you're doing a piece of artwork. And the whole inclusive aspect of the arts, the fact that you don't actually have to learn a language, you don't have to speak English, you don't have to be able to communicate to me as a teacher for you, for, for you to understand what I'd like you to do and the next stage. And I think that is why they are so incredibly powerful. And we will leave on that. It's an incredibly, incredibly powerful session and just an incredibly powerful conversation. Thank and you. Just oh, it's so lovely. Elevating, creative. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's so great. Let's talk it's, forever. I know, I, we could. We'd go on and on. Hey, you're not in school <laughs> yeah, today. Yeah. Um, but hey, just Andrea Zafiraku, 2018 uh, Global Teacher of the Year recipient, uh, Global Teacher of the Year award recipient. What are you doing with the million dollars? So glad, That's key. glad you asked me about <laughs> yeah, that. Um, so I'm changing the world. You know, I'm on a mission to change the world. So I'm changing the world and I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Um, I have uh, started a charity which is called Artists in Residence. And the idea of this charity is by bringing inspiration, creativity into schools, by connecting schools with artists. So artists are coming in, working in schools, um, creating magic, having that kind of um, that magical moment of a child working with an artist and saying oh my god can I can that be a profession uh, and we're creating incredible work and moments like that which are changing lives and I'm happy to be on that journey is there a website we had www.artistsinresidence.org.uk and if you are wonderfully rich and wealthy there's a donate button there so please go ahead and support us if you can but thank you so much for all the schools who are part of our teams um, and we're really you know, for me, I'm so fulfilled to be able to just help support schools, um, getting them to be more creative. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for just sharing that support with us today. Andrea Zafiraku on thank Reach you. Teach Talk. I'm so grateful you came on board and have just, I, I look forward to tracing <laughs> you in years ahead because this is, you're an incredible voice. Thank and, you so uh, much. the world needs this and the classrooms mm. needed it. Your students have needed it and will continue to yet I'm so grateful, and I hope that this can be a platform, one of many, to help you spread this word of the importance thank of you. the thank artisans you. in learning. So thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Reach, Teach, Talk with Nat Damon. If you'd like to recommend a guest for a future episode, you can send your suggestion or questions to nat at reachacademics.com. <laughs>